0: Grab your Bible this morning or your phone or whatever. Stand with me as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Mark chapter number 2. The book of Mark chapter number 2. Mark chapter number 2. We're going to begin reading with verse number 1. The Bible says, and again, he, Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith... He said to the paralytic, ''Son, your sins are forgiven you.'' And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, ''Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone?'' But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, ''Why do you reason about these things in your hearts?'' Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Father, I thank you for your incredible, incredible word. God, I just pray today that you will open the word of God to our understanding today. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will give us ears upon our heart today to receive the word. God, let your anointing break any yoke of hindrance or bondage in this house today. God, I pray that you will help me to speak as your oracle, your, your spokesperson, your mouthpiece today. Give me words to say I've not even planned to say. Father, may it resonate within the heart of your people. Lord, we ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, today we are, going, we are going to continue our series I'm calling Meditating on the Miracles. 2016 has been declared the year of prayer. I I felt that was what the Lord would have for us to declare for the year 2016, a year of prayer. I also believe that the Lord spoke to to me and I believe that the Lord said to me, Miracles follow prayer. So we began this year with a sermon series on prayer. We began this year and we continue throughout this year with special and various prayer meetings and encounters with the Lord in in prayer. And I believe that because of that, miracles are going to follow. I'm believing that miracles will be the fruit of our prayer. As we look at several of the miracles of Jesus in, in this series uh, I'm praying that faith will begin to rise up in you to believe God for your miracle. See, see, I don't want us just to get excited about the miracles that happened in the time of Jesus. and I don't want us just to recognize that Jesus was a miracle worker. But I want us to understand and I want to re- us to realize, Amen. I want us to see some uh, miracles of God take place in, in our lives. And that's what I'm believing for this year. Well, the miracle that we are meditating on today is the miracle of the paralytic that we read about a moment ago. As I read and reread this story this past week. And it is a story that, that, that I have preached on many, many times. It's a story that when I haven't necessarily preached upon it, I have used it and drawn from it uh, throughout, throughout the message. But this week, I, I begin to ask God to help me to look at this miracle, to look at this passage with fresh eyes. I ask the Lord to show me some things that I haven't seen before. There are seven things that became clear to me in this passage uh, as I meditated upon it, as I pondered it, as I read it and read it and read it and reread it throughout this week. And since I have seven points today, I better hurry and get to the point. The first thing that I find in this this story and, and the first thing that I see in this account of this miracle is, number one, people must be told about Jesus. People must be told about Jesus. It's found in verse number one. It says, and again, he entered Capernaum after many days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Notice the phrase, and it was heard. See, the reason why this paralyzed man was healed uh, was because someone told him about Jesus. See, if he had not heard about Jesus, if someone had not told him about Jesus, he would have no doubt spent the rest of his life paralyzed. People need to be told about Jesus. Let me, let me suggest this this morning. We have a reason to tell people must be told about Jesus and we have a reason to tell and the reason is because Jesus can help them Jesus can help them Jesus is the answer to their problem how many believe that this morning how many believe that Jesus is the answer to the problem of man and listen it doesn't matter what the problem is amen Jesus is the answer But not only do we have a reason to tell, but I believe we have a responsibility to tell. Let me ask you this this morning. Has Jesus done anything for you? Well, if he has, then it becomes our responsibility to tell other people about him. Let me ask you this question this morning. If if your neighbor was starving and you knew they had absolutely no food in their house, And you also knew that the grocery store down the street was giving out free food to the needy. Wouldn't you feel responsible for telling your neighbor about free food? Listen, we live in a hurting world. There has never been a day, there has never been a time when people were hurting like they are hurting. People are hurting today. I don't care what mask that they have on. I don't care when you ask them how are they, they tell you man I've just got the world by the tail on the downhill drag. I'm telling you everybody has a problem. Everybody has a situation. People are hurting today. We live in a hurting world. The needs of man are great today and Jesus is the answer. People must be told about Jesus. The second thing that I, I see in this Uh, account of, of, of the miracle of the paralytic, people will respond to what they hear. People will respond to what they hear. Look, in verse number two, it says, Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. That tells me that people will respond to what they hear. Now, depending upon whose research you read, but as I looked it up this, this week, a low on one survey, the low was 47%. One survey, the high was 82%. So, but a low of 47% and a high of 82% of unchurched people that were surveyed said that they would consider visiting a church if a friend asked them to go. And the reason why we don't ask anybody to come to church is because we don't think they want to come. We think they will turn us down. We don't want to be rejected. And so we don't ask anybody to come to church amen, because we don't think they will come if we ask them. And yet a survey of unchurched people said, a low of 47%, a high of 82% Surveyed of unchurched people surveyed said they would consider coming to church if a friend asked them to go with them. The number one reason that people give for visiting a church is because a friend or relative invited them. Seven out of ten unchurched people surveyed said, listen to this, they said they had never been invited to church their entire life. 70% of people surveyed, unchurched people surveyed, said they had never been invited to church one time. Let me tell you that personal testimony is the greatest advertisement. Personal testimony. Let me ask you this how did you find your doctor? How did you find your dentist? How did you find the neighborhood you live in? The grocery store, you buy your groceries at More often than not, somebody told you. Amen? When I moved here nearly 13 years ago, and I was looking for a house, and we looked all over the place, but I remembered where the Walters lived. Because he was a deacon when I came here, and they had us over at their house, and I liked that area. My realtor took us everywhere. I said, "No, let's go over there." <laughs> Guess where we live? I had a toothache, and I I asked Johnny. I said, "Johnny, where, who's your dentist?" He told me. I went. I got my tooth fixed. Right, still, still there. Amen. Personal testimony is the greatest advertisement. Let me ask you this. When you discover a really good restaurant, what do you do? (laughs) You tell somebody, man, man, you got to try this new place I found, man. And guess what? People do. I mean, you know, when they're having their routine fight about which restaurant to go to. Do you all do that? Sure you do. Sure you do. You get in the car and you say, where are we going to eat? Everybody says, I don't care. And then somebody says, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> when my family is together, and we're all opinionated, and when my family gets together, you know, my standard answer is now, you choose and I'll gripe. I'll let you choose and I'll just complain about it. Hey, when you're having that routine fight, which, 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 which restaurant to go to, somebody somebody says, hey, hey, let's go to the one Bubba recommended, man, because if Bubba says it's good, you know it's good. People will respond to what they hear. Personal testimony is the greatest advertisement. Let me ask you this this morning. Have, have you done any personal advertising for Jesus recently? Listen to this staggering statistic. According to Dr. Tom Rayner in his book, The Unchurched Next Door, only 2% of church members invite unchurched people to church. 98% of all church members have never invited an unchurched person to church. Hey, I'm not talking about... Leading a sinner to Jesus, I'm talking about simply inviting an unsaved person to come to church. And the sad thing about it is, is that, that a good majority of people would come to church if they were only invited. it's the third thing I see in this passage this morning. Some people can't get to Jesus on their own. Verse number three, then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Notice the phrase, who was carried by four men. Some people can't get to Jesus on their own. I mean, no, we need to take our friends to Jesus. Now the Bible doesn't say, but my speculation is that these four men who carried this paralytic to Jesus were friends of his. Perhaps these four friends carried him everywhere he went. He was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. Uh, he, 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 He was dependent upon somebody and he didn't get to go anywhere. And maybe it was these same four friends that took him everywhere he went. I, I don't know, but, but just perhaps, perhaps one of these friends heard about this miracle worker named Jesus. And, and perhaps he said to the other three friends, Hey, hey guys, listen, I've got an idea. What do you think about this? Why don't we, why don't we carry our paralyzed friend to this man, Jesus? And, hey, if this Jesus person can heal like people say he can. Hey guys, hey guys, and perhaps he said, think of this. This could be the last time we ever have to carry him anywhere we need to take our friends to Jesus hey hey maybe you have been carrying your friend maybe maybe you've had to carry them emotionally Perhaps their spirit has been wounded uh, and it has crippled them emotionally and you have had to be, you have had to carry them. Maybe you've had to carry some friend financially. Maybe they lost their job or maybe recently have gone through a divorce and it has left them crippled financially and financially you have had to carry them. Whatever the case might be this morning, you you have the burden, you have the burden of carrying your friend. And even though the old song says, He ain't heavy, he's my brother. Truth be known, he's getting pretty cotton picking heavy. And the burden is weighing you down. Take your friends to Jesus. Oh, oh, because some people can't get to Jesus on their own. But think about this this morning. If you carry your friends to Jesus, it just might be the last time you ever have to carry them. Such was the case with the four men in our scripture for today. But not only do we need to take our friends to Jesus, how many know we need to take our family to Jesus. Let me ask you a difficult question this morning. What priority does Jesus have in your house? Let me ask you this Does he come before or after sports? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching so good. (laughs) Too bad all the people that need to hear this are out (laughs) in their sport today. (laughs) Let me ask you this this morning. does, Does he come before or after recreation? Does he come before or after your hobbies? Does he come before or after work, school, projects, etc., 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 etc.? The question is, what priority does Jesus have in your house? I love the old story of the pastor who chastised one of his members for missing church to go to a ball game. And, and, and it, made the, it made the parishioner mad. And he said to the pastor, he said, that's a lie, preacher, that's a lie. He said, I did not skip church last Sunday in order to go to a ball game. And he said, looky here, I got a picture on my phone right here of a stringer full of the wonderful fish that I caught last Sunday to prove I wasn't at a ball game last Sunday. Here's what I know. Mom and dad, the priority that you place on Jesus in your home and the priority that you place on church attendance in your home will carry over to your kids. And here's what I know dads, dads, we are the number one influencer in our home according to statistics. Something else you need to know this morning is what one generation does in moderation. The next will do in excess. Some people can't get to Jesus on their own. We need to take our family to Jesus. We need to take our friends to Jesus. Because there are some in our family and there are some in our our friends. They will not get to Jesus unless we take them to Jesus. That was the next thing I see in our scripture for today. Number four. Sometimes there are obstacles in the way that hinder people from getting to Jesus. Verse 4, they could not get to him because of the crowd. I mean, oh, Satan loves to place obstacles in the way to hinder people from getting to Jesus. Let me just talk just a moment about two of his favorite obstacles that he loves to put in the way to hinder people from getting to Jesus. The first one is people. I said this before, but it bears repeating. You know, we love to talk about the fact that God uses people to do his work, but what we fail to understand is so does the devil. See, some people can't get past certain people in order to get to Jesus. Hollywood actor Richard Gere said, I love the story of Christianity. And he said, I would embrace Christianity and I would become a Christian, he said, if I ever met a real one. Evidently, he has seen too many make-believe, pretend to be hypocritical Christians. In our text, the paralytic couldn't get to Jesus because too many people were in his, in his way. Oh, as I read this this week, I, I begin to think and I begin to think, oh, oh, I hope, I, I truly hope that I'm not in somebody's way. I hope. That I'm not in somebody's way. I hope I'm not the obstacle that stands in the way of somebody getting to Jesus. That somebody would say, you know, I could get to Jesus if it wasn't for that pastor. Let me ask you this morning, are you the obstacle Satan is using to keep someone from getting to Jesus? See, Christians with bad attitudes... Christians that have a negative tendency and disposition often stand in the way of some people getting to Jesus. They look at us and we look like we've been baptized in pickle juice. And they think, that's what Jesus does for you. If that's what Jesus does for you, I've got enough problems of my own. Let me ask you this this morning. Are you too exclusive? Do you have your little circle of friends, your little click, our four and no more? And there are people that would love to get in your circle. There are people that would love to be included in your circle. And they would serve your Jesus, but your exclusiveness has become an obstacle and they can't get past you to get to Jesus. Maybe it's your unrealistic expectations that has become an obstacle for somebody. You, you have become a Pharisee. You're all about the rules and the regulations and the dotting of the I and the crossing of the T. You, you have a boulder in your eye, but you criticize someone for the tiny speck they have in there. Sometimes there are obstacles in the way that hinder people from getting to Jesus. And sometimes, sometimes the obstacle is people. Sometimes the obstacle is us. Us. Listen, I know pastor's kids that couldn't get to Jesus because of their pastor mom and dad. Sometimes the obstacle is people. Sometimes the obstacle is problems. In our scripture for today, the paralytic's four friends couldn't get him into the house where Jesus was because of a problem. The house was full, packed, no room for the man on a stretcher. Sometimes the obstacle that stands in the way of getting to Jesus is some type of problem. And sometimes people grow bitter, sometimes people go, grow angry toward God because He didn't solve a problem for them in the way and in the means and in the fashion they thought He ought to. And so, because God has not answered their prayer the way they thought He should, because God has not solved their problem the way they thought He should, Satan, Satan slips up behind them and Satan begins to whisper to them, if God is so powerful... If God loves you so much, then why didn't He answer the, your prayer? Why didn't He do for you what you thought He would do? Why didn't He do for you what you wanted him to do? Why didn't you do? Why didn't He do for you what you asked? Why didn't He remove or why didn't He solve your problem? How many know that it would have been easy for these four men in our story today to have become bitter and to become angry? Here they are. They labor hard and diligent and carry their friend to this miracle worker and you know, and they finally get there but then the house is full. Their house is full. They could have thought, okay, the house is full. We get that. But he could have come outside to where we were. He could have come to us. We came this far to see him. He could have come outside to where we were. He could have come to us. See, Satan loves to place problems in our life as an obstacle to hinder us from getting to Jesus. Notice the fifth thing, and I've got to hurry this morning. The fifth thing that speaks to me in this story. Sometimes we have to rely on someone else's faith. Sometimes we have to rely on someone else's Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith. Say their faith. When Jesus saw their faith. Notice Jesus didn't see the faith of the paralytic. He saw their faith. Who was there? Their, Their faith, the faith of the four men who carried him. The faith of the four men who not only carried him there on a stretcher, but when they saw that the house was full and there was no way they could get their friend into where Jesus was through the front door, oh, they carried him up on top of the house, and then they, they cut a hole in the roof and lowered him down in, in ropes when Jesus saw their faith. Sometimes we have to rely on somebody else's faith. Here's what I know it's easier to have faith for someone else than it is for yourself. Let me illustrate that. When my wife is sick, I'm God's man of faith and power for the hour. I have amazing faith for her healing. And I point my finger at her as she lays in her bed of affliction and I declare her healed. And I say, woman, thou art loosed from thine affliction in the mighty name of Jesus. Now get up and go fix me some dinner. You believe that, don't you? But the truth of the matter is, It's easier to believe for somebody else's miracle than it is for our own. Amen? Sometimes we have to rely on somebody else's faith. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're here today. And you need a touch from Jesus. But your faith is rock bottom. I mean, mean in faith you are on the bottom this morning. Well, let me tell you, it's okay. It's okay. Because there's enough faith in this room to make up for your lack of faith. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in the name of the Lord, He is there in the midst of them. The Word of the Lord says if two will agree is touching anything, that they will ask, it will be done of their Father who is in heaven. Sometimes we don't have enough faith for ourselves. It's a whole lot easier for me to pray for you than it is for me to pray for myself. It's a whole lot easier for me to, to, to believe for your miracle than it is for me to believe for my miracle. But it's okay this morning. I'm telling you we're here today. If you're down this morning, if you're discouraged, if your faith is on rock bottom, it's okay today. There's enough faith in this room. We can lift you. We can carry you. We'll carry you to Jesus today. The next thing I see, number six this morning. Sometimes we bring adversity on ourselves. Verses 5 through 11. Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralytic Son, your sins are forgiven you. He wasn't there to get saved. He was there to get healed. But Jesus started with his sin. And Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and they reasoned in their hearts. They said, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Sometimes we bring adversity upon ourselves sin is one of many causes of adversity sin is one of many say many sin is one of many causes of adversity sometimes adversity comes to us because of our poor choices I think more often than not adversity comes because of poor choices sometimes it comes of the poor choices of somebody else Sometimes adversity is sent to us by God. Now, you don't hear a lot of preachers preaching this anymore. But sometimes, read your Bible, sometimes adversity is sent to us by God in order to teach us, in order to grow us, in order to mature us. I thought you'd really like that one. I could tell you really like that one. Sometimes adversity is sent by Satan. Satan. To try to discourage us or cause us to doubt God's love for us or to try to get a root of bitterness to sprout in our soul. And sometimes sin is the cause. Sin is one of many causes of adversity. It appears, I said appears, don't call me on this, just preach it the way you want to when it's your turn to preach. But it appears to me, it appears that this was the cause for adversity in the paralytic's life in our scripture today. Here's what we need to understand. Sin has consequences. Can God forgive sin? Will he? But the consequences of of our sin will still happen. The law of sowing and reaping will still be In effect, sometimes we bring adversity on ourselves. The good news is, the good news is, even when we bring adversity on ourselves, even when our problem is a self-inflicted problem, Jesus is still willing to help us. Evidently, this paralytic brought his adversity upon himself through sin, but Jesus still worked a miracle for him. You'll find that in verses 9 through 12. The question I have for you today is, what do you need from Jesus? What do you need from Jesus? Hebrews 13 and 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. He's the same today and He is the same for. Ever. I, I believe that tells me that what Jesus did for the paralytic Amen The miracle that he wrought in the life of the paralytic That Jesus is still able this morning And Jesus is still willing And I believe that he is here today And he will work a miracle in your life And in your heart And in your, in, in, in your family Amen The miracle worker is still alive and well And still He is still performing miracles today we Get the worship team back in place real quickly this morning Move very very quickly Notice the last thing I see today. Miracles bring glory to God. Verse 11 and 12. Jesus said to him, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. What is the purpose? What is the purpose for miracles? Yes, yes. So we could. God wants to relieve pain. He wants to relieve suffering. Yes, He wants to meet the need. Yes, He's compassionate. Yes, He's loving. But I'm going to tell you that the greatest purpose of all for miracles is that God might be glorified. That people might might praise and glorify and magnify God. Is there anybody in this room this morning that will stand right now and just begin to give glory to God? Just begin to give praise. Begin to give adoration. Just begin to praise Him this morning. Amen. He's a miracle-working God. And He is worthy and He is deserving this morning. He deserves our praise. He deserves the glory. He deserves the honor. He deserves the praise. Lift your voices in the house and give Him glory today. Let me ask you this morning, will you praise Him in faith for the miracle you are believing Him for? Some of you this morning, you have not seen a sign. You haven't seen one sign yet of God's handiwork or God's working in your life. I'm going to encourage you today and challenge you today, amen, to praise Him for the miracle. Praise Him for the miracle that is coming. Some of you, I believe you're here this morning and you can see you can see the process taking place. You can see God's hand. You can see that God is beginning to move. The miracle hasn't come to fruition yet. It hasn't, it hasn't, it hasn't come about yet. But you can see God is at work and God is God is moving. Will you praise him? Amen. In the process of his working your miracle. Will somebody praise him in the process this morning? And for some of you, the miracle has already been wrought. Maybe it wasn't a recent miracle. Maybe it was years ago. And you know it just become humdrum for you. You know, and you don't even think about it anymore. But listen, is there anybody here this morning that will praise Him after the miracle is done? Amen. Will you praise Him after the miracle is done? Amen. Has God done something for you? Will you praise Him after the miracle? Will you praise Him this morning? Come on. Let's give Him praise. Come on. Let's give Him glory this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.